0: Thank you to the Commish Radio Show for their sponsorship of Echoes On Air Live. For all your DFW entertainment and politics, check in with the Commish, Ed Gray, on the Fishbowl Network, in the Gray Bowl, and be inspired.
1: Echoes Media wants to give a special shout out to V's Bake Shop for their sponsorship of Echoes On Air Live. If you want something sweet, talk to V.
0: Echoes Media thanks Essentials by Ebony for its sponsorship of Echoes On Air Live. For personalized tumblers and artisan soaps, go to Essentials by Ebony.
1: Echoes Media thanks our home, the Poddies Network, for their sponsorship of Echoes On Air Live. For a fun and diverse group of podcasts, check out the rest of our pod family guys and welcome to our first live event of echoes on air we've got an awesome awesome live audience you guys don't have to be like super quiet y'all can actually like make noise so people know that we're not we're,
2: we're, not, we're, not,
1: we're not we're not making this up there really are other people here so um, so we're super excited for our first live event um, before we get started though I just want to take a minute to remind you that we are recording we are also live streaming because apparently we are good like that do you pray can you raise the- Dang, the should stop. Move. Okay, but the point is, we're excited, right? So, um, but take a moment to silence anything that buzzes, beeps, chirps, or sings, um, because we are recording and everything, um, and we'll kind of go ahead and get started. Mine. Oh, I guess I should tell you who I am for those who don't know. Hi, I am Janelle Gray. I am the host and founder of Echoes Media. Um, thanks. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is Echoes on Air, which is a subsidiary of, of uh, Echoes Media, which is our podcast. And Chris is our co-host. Hi. <laughs> uh, hi. You can tell where our people are too, like right? Right, like, right. Think- <laughs> like based on
0: who yells in the room, you can tell. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'm Chris. Uh, but before I introduce myself, um, I know that we've all heard about the uh, tragedy that happened in Christchurch, in Australia or New Zealand. I apologize. And um, I just wanted to, before we get into all this, you know, talking about social justice burnout and trauma. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, mm-hmm. I just want to take a moment and and kind of hold space for that uh, to lift up uh, the victims and the survivors there, and also uh, our Muslim brothers and sisters worldwide. So, just if you join me in a moment of silence. All right. Uh, So thank you, thank you for that. Um, So I just wanted to introduce myself. Hi, uh, my name's Chris. uh, And I am the co-host of the Echoes On Air podcast. I I tell people that I, I right sing, direct anything creative you can think of uh, but instead of doing that I get paid to help other people do it uh, <laughs> and I also I'm also uh, fortunate enough to be asked by Janelle to join the echoes media team uh, so I've been the co-host of the podcast uh, since the beginning of this year and thank you all so much for coming I think we're gonna have a really really great discussion uh, around social justice around burnout around trauma around you know how we how we take care of our mental health as we, as we fight all these fights. that I think ECHO's media really is about fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to thank our wonderful panelists. Like, yes. give, give them a hand yes. for <laughs> the experience and the, the knowledge in the room. Yes. Um, but if you guys would like to introduce yourself, whoever wants to go first, I'll. All right. <laughs>
3: um, I guess that's me. Okay. <laughs> Hi there. Um, my name is Anna Kim, and I, am, I like to tell people I'm a trauma-informed family therapist. Um, which just means I treat the whole family. Um, So some of my clients are as young as five in their families, all the way up to 67. um, And I treat anything in between. So relationship to themselves, parent-child relationship, um, couple's relationship, and also um, relationship with substances as well, so substance abuse um, as well. So yeah, thank you so much for for inviting me. This is such a, so exciting. And um, even as I was driving over here, I was thinking, wow, this is so necessary in this time, in this culture. everything what we're going through, um, what's just happened and so I'm really, really honored yeah. to be here and to be able to speak on this. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
4: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> God, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. Hey y'all. So my name is Brittany Gray. Um, I and I um, counsel in Arlington at a private practice called Epiphany Counseling Services. And um, I also do research at the Center for Brain Health. And so I research adolescent brains. Um, and what else? Is that all? Is that it? No, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. 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 And I'm excited, too, for obvious reasons. This is my sister, Janelle. Um, but I'm um, just so proud of this and so happy to be a part of this discussion. So.
1: Don't do that. I know. Sorry. She knows I cry at everything, <sighs> so like you Sorry. can just look at me wrong, and I'll be like,
2: "Oh my look. God, that's oh, so I sweet!" <laughs> so, so like, so
1: okay. <laughs> she did that on purpose. Sorry.
3: Hi,
2: um, my name is Jimmy Owen, and I am a therapist in private practice. I've been working for about 28 years in the industry, um, and most recently, I guess in the last uh, five years, I've been doing a lot of uh, work with Brene Brown. Um, and her, I'm a certified Daring Way facilitator. And so we uh, do a lot of focus on vulnerability, shame, authenticity. And so I'm really excited to talk about this today, how it relates to working in social justice. Okay. So thank you. Yeah.
1: She destroyed me in five seconds. Five seconds. Y'all, I want y'all
0: to know, Janelle's over here so moved right now. Oh, it's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) That's family. Listen.
1: (laughs) So first, I I think the first thing is just to highlight, I think this is going to be an obvious question, but why is the topic so important, specifically with mental health? And anybody can go for that.
4: Because we just need to talk about it more. I mean, it's so important because um, trauma is something that we all experience. Whether it's a big trauma, like a distressing event, like a school shooting, or like 9-11, or whether it's a small trauma, like you just transition to a different city or um, state. And so I think the word trauma gets this bad rep, like, oh, trauma, done, done, done. Like, like it's so big. But it could be a smaller thing, too, and just Mm -hmm. finding a space, Okay talking about it, mm-hmm. why it's so important. Because we all experience some sort of trauma, whether it's small or little. Mm-hmm. Um, and then healing from it as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting in talking to all of y'all is um, you, the use of the word trauma. Because I don't know that we necessarily notice that um, when we see because it's Because so, it's on social media. It's on social media. All the time. Um, and so I don't know that we really recognize it as trauma, as something that, that we're affecting, we're, or that's affecting us in that way. So, can you talk a little bit about that, like what, what that does?
2: Sure. I actually um, have a definition from a trauma specialist. Uh, y'all may be familiar with uh, uh, Vessel Van, van de Korp, um, and he wrote a, a really powerful book called The Body Keeps a Score. And he says that um, trauma is any event that overwhelms the nervous system and changes the way we remember and react to the experience. And so, like uh, Brittany said, it could be something small or it could be something uh, huge. Um, But if it overwhelms our nervous system, Mm -hmm. um, when you think of um, feelings, is feeling is like an electric current, it's like energy. And so, when we have things happen, we will have an ex. the The external event happens, and we have an internal response called a feeling. Mm-hmm. And if it's really big, we can't get all of that out. We can't process it. And so, that is many times where trauma exists. We can't get it out. And so, we have to figure out ways to take care of ourselves, especially if we're on the the front lines, um, you know, working for social justice. Um, but we want to be able to. Uh, find a way to get that energy in and uh, out of our body so that we can be more in the present and not be carrying that stuff with us.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh. So, and I guess I kind of want to talk about, this is going to sound really crazy, but can you diagnose some of the things that we're, we're seeing? So for example, um, when you look at things that happen in New Zealand, or you look at any of the trauma that we're seeing, um, can you tell us what you think, and obviously you can't tell us what these people are thinking, but okay. where does that kind of come from? Maybe that may present as hate? Is there something mm. that may be underlying?
2: I definitely think um, the, the top layer is hate, but hate is really a secondary emotion, or it's not really even an emotion. It's a reaction, um, it's usually a behavior and, but underneath the vulnerable pieces are going to be fear and um, not feeling connected. So Mm -hmm. I encourage you all to add to that. I
4: I would agree, yeah, because, um, so, I mean, if you think about why do we feel, it's to either survive, thrive, or avoid danger. And so we have these feelings for reasons, and so if the underlining thing, well, if if what you feel is hate, then the underlining would be fear of fill in the blank. And so it's just, as far as counseling, um, counselors go, it's just like, how was this expression um, mismanaged? Like, what possessed that? Well, what led them to then act on an, ind- an, ind- an individual in a way that was disruptive to themselves, to other people, as far as like the hate? crimes Mm -hmm. that happened in New Zealand that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know if that answered it.
1: No, it it did. Um, And I also want to encourage those of you in the audience, this isn't just for you to watch us talk either. Uh, We would absolutely love if you have a question or um, if there is something that they say that you want a little bit more Uh, clarification or or anything like that. If you want a little bit more information on that, um, let me know. Jack in the back, the co-producer, a.k.a. The Ghost, if you uh, listen to us regularly, we always call him The Ghost because he never talks. Um, So now you are actually (laughs) our witness that Jack, The Ghost, exists. He is not a person that we make up. Tell the listeners, he's there. Tell the world he is a real person. But um, if you have other... Um, other questions or anything that you want maybe them to explain or, or maybe there's something that we're not we're not answering or we're not asking that you think is important, let us know so we can get the mic to you. Um, Chris, did you have something?
0: Oh, um, uh, no, no, nothing no, besides. I'm you, kidding. I'm, oh, I, I, did, I did actually want to um, <laughs> speak quickly to... So, you know, our, our, our topic today is, is social justice burnout. And as I was thinking about it, I was sort of thinking about it in two senses, you know, both, um, both like the the burnout we experience from being people in the world in marginalized identities, in um, uh, oppressed identities, or just you know the the thousand little slights that that you get being a person of color, being a woman, being a queer person, being a disabled person, being from from all these different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was hoping you could you could speak both to that and then also to i think what can maybe be more traumatic as when we're fighting for social justice when we're constantly exposing ourselves you know we we especially i would say in the last couple of years there's it it almost felt like to be woke to be aware to be interested in social justice meant yeah. constantly traumatizing yourself mm-hmm. literally like Looking at all these videos of, of black people being shot, yes. or yes. looking at all these videos of hate crimes, and and like you had to be as aware as possible of right. anything that might traumatize you, mm-hmm. you know, and and so how, how do you survive that? How do you protect your mental health? How do you make sure you can still fight? Um, and so I think broadly, I think we're going to speak to both of those angles of it um, throughout the session. But yeah, if there's anything in particular um, that you all can can give us tools. To should we keep exposing ourselves to these traumatic things?
4: Right. It's such a
3: fine balance between like being engaged, right? Being aware of what's going on, Mm -hmm. but then also having to find that time to kind of shut off, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just be human and kind of go back to like the simpler part of life. And it's such a, a dance between both of those because we need both, right? And then we're talking about the central nervous system, right? How do we regulate ourselves? When we are exposed to the events? What's happening inside my body? How am I, why am I reacting, right? And so I think therapists, if they're trauma-informed, they would help you really learn how to, what's, what's the difference between the reaction Mm -hmm. which could sometimes be that hate, that that righteous anger, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. the appropriate response to seeing injustice happen in the world. But then also how am I gonna then respond? And Mm -hmm. those could be very different things, right? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we're in the society of instant gratification, right? We Mm -hmm. wanna react or if we want something we can literally reach it or call someone to get it. I mean, that's just, The world that we live in now. And so, absolutely, when we're seeing this injustice going on, right, we can't help but have this such strong response to it. And then, not even on top of that, if you have your own trauma, right? Mm -hmm. I wanna go back to that and how we we redefine trauma because trauma has become so misunderstood and sometimes thrown out a lot. Um, But, you know, trauma could be in utero. Trauma can be what was your mom's, what was your birth mom's trauma during that time when she was even, you know, had you in her belly. Right? We know from studies that that stress hormones from the mom carries Transfer, into yeah. transfers into mm-hmm. the child. So you're already set up and born into this world with some kind of experience in trauma, right? Then there's the traumatic event, there's abuse, there's neglect, I mean, there's all those things. But um, I'm gonna butcher his name. His name is Gabor Mate, right? And he um, talks about trauma in, in, in such a way that I was like, wow, that really makes so much sense. So trauma can be that traumatic event that happened to you. But trauma is also what, Lives and works within you, and in that way, with, the, with that kind of definition, definition, everyone is exposed to trauma in some sort of way, right? Mm-hmm. And it can actually be really subjective. It doesn't have to be this loud, big event. It could actually be little quieter traumas, right? Quieter jabs. Whether it's how you internalize things, whether that's false beliefs or messages you received in the world, right? All of that is carried within you, and so really learning how do I still be engaged? How do I still remain woke and understanding what's going right, on in this right, world, right. How that works. but also being able to pull away because you got to take care of yourself in that in order to fight the long good fight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's absolutely burnout in that. Yeah. Yes.
5: Yeah. I
1: th- so what I thought was interesting, and I'm hoping to get um, a few more um, statistics actually uh, when I take a pause and grab my phone. But um, what I did was I was able to pull some of our. Uh, Some of the people I think here uh, in the audience took the survey, Um, we had probably about 80 to 90 people who took the survey, and out of those people who took the survey, it was about 69% that said the first thing they feel Mm -hmm. is anger, Mm -hmm. and so I want to know what, you know, we're talking about these underlying things Mm -hmm. of hate, which I, I think has a lot to do with or it shows itself, like that hate shows itself in anger. You can see that in every civil rights um, movement picture from the 60s, that you see hate being held, or you know thrown on, on any of, of a lot of our different um, uh, movements that are happening right now. What is If everybody is feeling that, that anger first, um, is that healthy? Is that, is that common? Is there something that they can maybe, or they, huh? We Is there something that we can be in tune with that we can kind of pay attention to?
2: Well, I think that anger is many times a secondary emotion, but it's, it's a powerful emotion and it generates energy. The gift of anger is motivation, strength, and energy. So to go there first makes sense, but if we slow down and if we can understand that, that anger is most of the time a secondary emotion, if we can slow down and have the mindfulness to say, what else am I feeling in this experience, we may go to the vulnerable feelings of fear, pain, shame, guilt, um, loneliness, mm-hmm. feeling disconnected, mm-hmm. or, or feeling the humiliation or unjust of what's happening.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I read in this book, and I forget what it's called, but it described that we all have two different, I mean, two primary feelings, p- um, pain and pleasure. And they describe pain. You could um, feel that in three ways. So um, pain in the future was labeled as anxiety. Pain Mm -hmm. in the present was labeled as hurt. Mm -hmm. And then pain in the past was labeled as um, anger. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think I was like, oh, okay," Because if you can go back and and uncover some past experiences, I'm sure that that anger could be softened by um, processing what you experienced. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of these crimes that we may see that are hate driven is a past experience that was blocked due to maybe a traumatic I- um, experience that
1: led them to still stay in the past. Mm-hmm. I low key want to look back and see if somebody's writing that down. Can somebody write that down? What right. was that? That was, what was, the, that was good. I'm, so, I'm, I'm going to re- go
0: back and listen to this episode.
1: Right, right. <laughs> I very rarely listen back. But this is the one. I'm a so, right. <laughs> so, um, so tell me So tell me those again. So pain in the, pain in the
4: future is is anxiety, pain in the present is hurt, and then pain in the past is anger. Mm. And that's how they um,
0: labeled them. Cool. Yeah, y'all, normally at the end of the episode, we do like a leave and a take. Like, this is what I'm going to take away. I'm not going to be able to do it, because There's, I'm going to take it's gonna away every third thing that you said. going to be too much. <laughs> gonna be too much. It's going to be too much.
1: Yeah. So I, I actually, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Please go. Um, um, I also wanted to go back to something you were saying, Anna. Um. And I, I want to ask, so I always preface the statement, um, if I say something about uh, being black in America, I always tell people, I've been black all my life. This is all I know. Right. So that's my right. first thing that I go to, is um, specifically being black in America, when we talk about people who have these fears. And you were saying how that is something that is passed through a mother, mm-hmm. um, that or can be passed through a mother. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that when you're talking about people who are uh racial minorities or, or something like that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the biological part, right, is that we know that we have these stress hormones, and we know that we can carry it into our child, right? But at the same time, looking at the circumstance of the mom, too, what was her life like? What was she going through, right? What was maybe some of the social injustice that she was experiencing at the time of being pregnant, right? And so that's the biological, but then there's that social component, that context of what was going on. Um, and. I think, I think I was just, I was, um, I'm going back to something that you, can, you were talking about that kind of came out. So in that way, it's, it's something, there's a word called intergenerational trauma,
1: mm-hmm.
3: right? And that can mean so many things depending on who you're talking to. That could be years of history of oppression, that your parents experienced, that their parents experienced, right? That's that trauma that not only is biological, but is also very much part of your social and emotional health as well, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're kind of bred into, that's what you know. Um, and I can only speak for myself being that I'm a, I'm a Korean American, right? My parents, watching my parents be immigrant parents, um, figuring their way out in America, right? Came with nothing from South Korea mm-hmm. and just watching how that impacted their life and how it impacted mine, right? Mm-hmm. We don't live in a bubble. We have to, we live in a relational world. Um, and I was just thinking too, I just had a thought earlier as we were talking about social justice and kind of like, what's our, what's our responsibility in all this, too? And I think it goes back to having that, yes, collectively we have this responsibility, right, to really be aware, but it also starts with really being, having that interpersonal connection with yourself, too. Mm -hmm. Because we're going to be triggered, we're going to be traumatized, right? There's secondary trauma that we carry through this, Mm -hmm. that hurt, that fear is so, so real. Um, so really making sure that you take the time to really unpack some of that. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for me? What did that mean for my history? What did that even mean for my mom? Or what is that guilt that, that we tend to carry through generation because we feel such a responsibility? Um, and so, yeah, it's, so it's just so important to really unpack that because we all have our own story and as and, and unique stories in, within that as well. So mm-hmm. really making sure we express that.
2: Something that uh, in, interesting about, you know, we're all, marginalized communities up yeah. here, but, um, as a gay man, mm-hmm. we don't, uh, we are like the only subculture who have parents that are different than us. Mm-hmm. And so when you were talking about the intergenerational, yeah. um, that's something that we don't experience, but we do experience the, that, feeling of separation and being different, yeah. um, and not being able to go to our, family of origin for support as yeah. many times as we're growing up we don't even know what it is we yeah. just know that something is different yeah. um, and I think going also going back to the idea of as we're getting as we're getting ready to do this kind of work I think it's so important mm-hmm. that we know our core values mm-hmm. as we're going to get ready to do this kind of work mm-hmm. that we can understand what our what's the light that we want to hold, that we carry with us as we're going through right. this work. And um, I think we have to, it's important that we do that in, that individual work, personal work before we try to go out and mm-hmm. make uh, you know big differences for the other people. If we aren't clear about what our values are, what we're wanting to do in our social justice world, right. um, individually or on large scales, mm-hmm. we have to know what, mm-hmm our own core values are, yeah. and then make sure that we're always carrying that light. I use, mm-hmm. I use the, the metaphor of the, it's in the lantern, it's the light in the lantern. We always want to be walking with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, how can we, yeah. so how can we do that? How can we, because I really like that idea right. of part of how you survive is you, you keep this is my core value. This is what I want to bring into the world, right? Because before you can bring anything to the world, you gotta know what you're trying
2: to bring, right? Yeah. Well, I th- I think that it takes it it just takes, you know, some introspection, some mindfulness, sitting down, and and maybe thinking about you know what are, the what are the values that I live by. You know, I, when <laughs> I, I can tell you for myself, I did some, I did some work with this and started with about ten core values, you know, and then every day I would. Kind of look at it and think, okay, I think that one kind of blends into this one, and that one kind of blends into this one. But what I ended up with was um, compassion and courage. Those were my two core values that I want to live my life by. And um, you know, it may be that your values are faith and family. It could be, you know, but to find out what those and that and that you have a relationship with that, you're always keeping that right here as you're going through your life in working with uh, people that are in your community and people that are not in your Mm -hmm. community, but that you're always walking around with your core values and leading the way. Mm
1: -hmm. I want to ask a question for, I, I guess, two sides of this coin. So specifically for Chris, Jack, and I, because we do Echoes on air, we are meeting at least monthly to do something um, that talks about marginalized communities. That talks about so we are mm-hmm. constantly being um, we're we're constantly facing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk about it from the point of view for the person who is an accountant. You know that doesn't necessarily do this thing right. consistently. Um, what are ways that they can get in tune with? Like you said, what what are those core values? Um, what are things that they can do that still keep them engaged, like you were talking about, but still kind of keep the balance?
2: I think, so. I think the, one of the quotes you put on here. <laughs> um, I said something smart. Uh, so, about social <laughs> change. Okay. okay. Yes. Um, yeah. I think that, 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 um, is something, you know, so, it doesn't take huge things. If you want yeah. To
1: social change is a million individual acts of kindness. Um, and a million subversive acts of resistance.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's about, uh, as, as an accountant, you're at work and you hear someone um, saying something derogatory, a racially derogatory statement, being able to just say, hey, that's not okay. You know, that, learning how to have that courage um, because if you are silent you side with the oppressor mm-hmm. you don't side with the person that's being marginalized mm-hmm. and so it's always important there's little I mean all through the day we have little moments where we have those opportunities to be um, be an activist and when we think a lot of times when people think of the word activism we think of a you know we're you know, like this, <laughs> the, but really, it's it's just being authentic and being vulnerable in your world, being courageous in your world, and speaking your truth, making sure that you see everyone, that everyone has value, purpose, and meaning.
1: And I want to correct that. So, it's social change is a million acts of kindness, but social justice is a million subversive acts of resistance.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's mm-hmm. good. Um, I would say before you. Because I always like to work inward than outward, mm-hmm. and so another practical way that I would do this is just to just to just step back. And I've always been an avid journal. Um, I've always journaled, and so I would just picture my heart as a building. And I tell my clients this too because they can really see the visual. So if your heart is a building, and different rooms, and different um, hallways, and different. Um, Levels indicate memories, um, moments of your life that were traumatic. Um, you could go up to the third floor, that was your childhood, the 16th floor, that was your 16th birthday. And then each room, you've stored something that, mm-hmm. whether it was happy or whether that was painful. Mm-hmm. And um, before we can go out into the world and help, we have to first deal with the rooms that are hard. Um, mm. Go in that room where you've locked from your family and then just sit there. And if it's too much, close it and then have your friend come and help you, have a therapist come and help you. Um, A lot of times we may just store things that we experience in these rooms and we just write it off. And then then the things may become overwhelming, burnout, and so those things spill out of the room and it gets ugly Mm. when it spills out. And so Mm -hmm. that's when you just can't handle life because you're overwhelmed because the rooms that that you have that you've stored stuff in hasn't really been managed well. Mm-hmm. And so it's just so that's what I view therapy as, just finding someone to help go into your building, which is your heart, and just sort out some stuff that you've just suppressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my sister's smart. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for the imagery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I really had to do. Like I really had to be like, okay, yeah. childhood. What trauma? Mm-hmm. Whether I didn't have the word for it then, but that was trauma, Brittany. Like, mm-hmm. no, that was trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um That wasn't your maturity. That was trauma that you had to adjust to at a different age, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, I would say that first. And then once you've identified the rooms, then that's when you can say, okay, this needs to go there. Maybe I can start on this first and I can close those doors and not deal with everything at one time. Right. Well, just to echo that. Oh.
0: <laughs> and bringing in the title of the podcast, okay. I Our panelists know what's <laughs> up. Uh.
1: We didn't even tell them that. That's on it.
3: I'm on it today. Okay. <laughs> I mean, all this talk about fear—we can't talk. We can't not talk about safety, mm. right? Mm. And and I think what I tell my clients every time they walk into the room is this is a safe space. I want to give you something that maybe you have not been given maybe that was a need that was not met as a kid growing up maybe that's because you've been oppressed maybe that's because you're you know you're discriminating all these people who live in the margins right that that sense of safety and trust is huge so even getting someone Mm -hmm. in through the door to make that choice to come and sit in front of me I really really honor that so much so that I tell them that right and thank you for being here and wanting to work on yourself unpack those rooms that maybe we've done such a good job of locking up and this is a safe space and I want to give you that felt safety and I know that that is not something that that safety is freely given from me but Trust is something to be earned, mm-hmm. right? So every time, whether that's 50 minutes, an hour a week, when you come in and you're sharing a little bit of you to me, that is so, I mean, to witness that and then to see change and then be have people be vulnerable and share with you, share with you things that they have literally locked up and kept from everyone and never had mm-hmm. the space to share. Um, that is that's the authenticity. That authenticity, that genuineness, that I um, I so so honor my clients with, and that's so necessary, right? We need that soft landing. Um, to even be able to go through that. And then as we get through that, because now we have that safety, then we got to start challenging our clients, yeah. right? Okay. We got to start getting a little bit more comfortable with the uncomfortable. You know, we've we've laid some groundwork, some foundational stuff, and so now let's get in let's get into it because the only the thing that I do know about pain and trauma is there's no way around it. We try every way that we can. Try right.
4: to function. Try to function, yeah. whether
3: that's you know, grabbing onto unhealthy relationships, whether that's um, grabbing onto drugs or alcohol because that numbs me and, and, and it's too painful otherwise, right? We do such a good job of walking around it or avoiding it. But the one thing I do know about pain and, and trauma and all those things is you have to get through it.
1: Yeah. Oh, question. Jack, can we get a mic? Oh, question. Mic check, What's one, two, You're one. Right. <laughs> Thank you. we got to go back to the word. I want
6: to go back there. This yes. gentleman here. For yes. sure. Uh, how do you guys recommend going about telling your family and your friends that you're on an outrage vacation?
2: <laughs> you're, you're, you're
6: full of. Yeah. Yes. You know, because you're supposed to be outraged all the time, and they're sort of
3: outraged that you're not outraged. Because yes. I, I, yes. I, I got to tell you, I'm doing something this weekend. Yes, yes, I'll get upset about it whenever I read more, but mm-hmm. right now I'm doing stuff for me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so what, what's what's a good way to go on an outrage vacation? Mm. I love that I like
7: idea. that. I, I also like idea. an outrage right. vacation. What's the title yeah. of his
0: new book? Right. We got wisdom from our panelists. We got wisdom from our audience. <laughs> yes, Listen, man. we all need to like meet up We really can't, can't hear for often. y'all. That's
1: really what it is. <laughs>
3: I need one of those. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess that goes back to the balance of being able to shut off a little bit, right? Is you got to, as much as we're talking and saying we need to act and, and as a collective, like be aware and, and do these things and make different actions and choices. We also need that inner work, right? And so that retreat, that time to go out is absolutely is what you should be doing, right? To fill you up. Because I always tell my clients, like, do what feeds your soul. Do what feels good. Mm-hmm. That could be anything. That could be taking a hot shower. That could be mm-hmm. maybe taking your shoes off and going on the grass. That's one of my favorites. Gardening. I mean, anything that you love and enjoy, you need to... We're exerting so much energy. Mm-hmm by being angry, right? It takes a lot of energy, a lot of time. There's a lot of gathering that happens when you do that, especially when you're with like-minded people, right? So, it's a lot of energy that you're outputting, so you need to be filling your gas tank back up. Because we can't we don't go very far when our gas tank is running on empty, right? right? Yeah. That's what I call survival mode. Yeah. We're not really living, we're not really thriving, we're not learning, right? right. How do we get from the survival mode
1: to then the living? Right, is we need that timeouts, we need those breaks. Absolutely. And, right. I'm yeah. sorry, I wanna ask, a, uh, I kinda wanna piggyback on that question, and I see that we have another question, but I wanna piggyback um, on that question with. I I get that. So now, if I'm him, how do I deal with them not accepting that I'm on an outrage vacation?
4: That has nothing to do with you. Oh,
1: okay, great. Good talk then. (laughs) Um, Boundaries, (laughs) and we're done. (laughs) That's a boundary
4: that you have to set. um, That you have to set, and then you have to (laughs) honor that. Honor your boundaries. I honor mine, and it's and it's uncomfortable for others, but I know what. I need to do so I can be fueled, and I can be fed, and I can be whole, Mm -hmm. and I have to just honor that and let it be. Right. Mm -hmm.
2: And it's not sustainable to have that outrage all the time. You have to have time to breathe in and breathe out. And so Mm -hmm. if you can kind of think of when I'm doing my activism, that's kind of breathing in, but I have to take time to breathe, I mean, that's breathing Mm -hmm. out. I have to take that time to breathe in and take care of myself mm-hmm. yeah. because I can't yeah. survive if I'm always mm-hmm. just breathing out. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to think yeah. of your that self-care as the breath in. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And if I can,
0: just quickly, um, just, just I know we need to move to the question, but yeah. I would also just like to note that a lot of times, especially those people that don't want to let you have a break, some of us use outrage as entertainment. Some of us, mm. like, get on the Twitter or the Facebook and, like, Oh, I'm bored. So let me spend the next, you know, 25 minutes being really being mad outraged. at, yes. you know, insert yeah. whoever I choose to be mad at, whoever is my enemy. And They're sometimes you gotta, so you much. know, you just gotta tell them like, I know that's uh-huh. how you. And sometimes people, that's how they relax, right? I know that's how <laughs> you're using your time. <laughs> <language, laughs> that's relaxed. But I, I have a way I need yeah. to use my time as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, boundaries think-
4: are where you, um, you stop and someone starts. Mm-hmm. Like boundaries are set to protect you, and so. Mm. Emotionally, we should yeah. set that. Yeah. As right. far as we do it physically and financially right. and time-wise.
2: And, all that stuff. and I think that the counterbalance to activism is is cultivating joy. And so you have to have that place where you can feed yourself, and you're not always feeding. Yeah. You know. And I think it was Brene Brown who also said, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jimmy.
3: She I said you it. can't have compassion without boundaries. Right. And so there is such thing as compassion fatigue. fatigue is, yes, yeah. we burn mm-hmm. out, yes. right? It's that empty gas tank again. We're not going to get very far. And so mm-hmm. to give yourself that break, despite maybe people not understanding that, maybe you're that person for them to teach and to maybe learn from. That yeah, these breaks are healthy and these are good, and this is what sustains me. I mean, you could be a really great example of that in your in your in your fam- in your group.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So my question is well quick comment on that. I think too, sometimes avoiding negativity in general, like unless it's in the space of, you know, trying to address, you know, negativity, but saying, okay, I don't want, I don't want to deal with your attitude today. You know, some people just have an attitude in life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I definitely believe in self-care. So I think my question to you guys, because Brittany was saying something about talking to a therapist or a friend. Yeah. And so I have a lot of friends who are struggling with, issues of all kinds, right? And so I, re- I always say, well, I think you should maybe find a therapist. Like, if you have the money or you have the resources to do that, I think you should do that. And there's so many biases around it. I'm pretty sure I'm not saying it correctly in, my, in that. So I, one of the questions is, how do you do that? But also, even just suggesting to them that they reach out to their community, right? If you can't afford a therapist, or so you just don't believe in therapy for whatever your reason, being able to say, OK. I'm gonna choose this friend, you know what I mean? Because you, you want you don't want to tell everybody your baggage or business sometimes, and that's right. fine. But I'm gonna choose this person to really confide in, and you know I have a billion people thankfully because I just live in that kind of world. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a, you know I'm part of the LGBT community. It's just so many different layers. So I have so many people to confide in, but. Yeah. You know, everybody doesn't or everybody doesn't feel comfortable. So how do you address those people and kind of say it in a nice way, but also, you know, make sure it's firm enough to them, to them understand, like, this can lead to self-harm or, you know what I mean? in any way. just your body can also just shut down from stress, exactly. you know? Yeah.
4: Um, I would say, so if you had a friend and he or she was physically hurt, would you say, oh, don't go to the doctor? We can heal you. Like, we could do that. Oh, that um, bone is broken? Okay, let's just go ahead and and like that self-medicate you until it's fixed. But then you could be doing that, and then you could be causing more harm. You could be just really just in a bad boat years down. So that's how I kind of tell friends that I I have also like, you know, therapy is just like going to the doctor, but it's it's your heart that you're healing. Mm -hmm. It's like emotional wounds that you're doing versus physical doctor. I don't know why we put so much emphasis on physical health and not emotional health. And mm-hmm. it's like you could be fine on the outside, but emotionally you're hurt. Emotionally there's some things that have not healed and, and if they have healed, there's kind of been some bruises too, so it's not it hasn't healed well or healthy. And so I think when they get that like, oh, okay, you're kind of right. I'm like, yeah. Um, then they could be more open to it. Well, not like, yeah, like that, like, like I'm right, no. no, no, no. But they're like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. That's what I meant, you guys. Sure. And I think oh,
2: yeah. that there's also um, cultural biases mm-hmm. um, in every yeah. subculture yes. about going to therapy. And I think it's important that you're able to look at those um, and be able to talk about them with your friends as um, if they're resistant to therapy. Um, yeah. You know, I think as, as a, uh, for instance, as a gay man, um, going into a, a therapist would, um, I don't know, because we don't have that intergenerational thing going on. We have the shame or the, the, the fear of our physical and emotional safety, um, going and walking into a room and, and sharing something, um, with someone that we don't know whether or not they're going to be able to, uh, be non-judgmental. Be supportive. Mm-hmm. Be encouraging. Hold that safe. Hold that space for us. And and I think, um, I think it's different with other cultures. I think mm-hmm. um, other. I know you know many of the Asian cultures have a very strong bias against um, going to talk to someone to a therapist because uh, it's just it goes completely against their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Absolutely.
3: There. Yeah, I'll speak about that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it, uh, it comes up, I mean, I was just, um, Jasmine's here, she's from my, from Lifeology, and she just put on a great Hi. panel called Side by Side. And I'm
1: so sad I missed yeah, that too, it was, but I uh, was checking it out. It to, was such a great discussion.
3: Yeah. It was, you know, really removing that stigma from black community, but all, really all marginalized communities mm-hmm. and being able to talk about that and <clears throat> Um, something that I shared then was having to know with my parents and simply just now wanting to have those dialogues with them right now now that they see me not as a child anymore, we can actually sit down at the dinner table mm. and talk about really important things. And one of the things I asked them was, you know, what do you guys think about about mental health? You know, and they were like, Oh no! You don't. You don't talk to anyone, right? Yeah. You keep it at home. You keep mm-hmm. it private. Mm-hmm. If it gets out of hand, you go to church. You pray it mm-hmm. away. You invite the pastor. I mean, you contain it. Mm-hmm. And so the fear is, I can't get this out. So to be able to go to someone who maybe not might not even be agent, right? Maybe it's someone that is. Um, someone who looks like could have been your oppressor, I don't know, there's a lot of triggers mm-hmm. and a lot of mistrust mm-hmm. in that. And so um, to be able to share in that again is is really, is really um, I don't know, I, I'm thinking it's precious, it's fragile to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my parents were just like, you know, you really taught us, you taught us about mental health because our community is not talking about it, our church definitely isn't talking about it. And so, um, and, and just my personal story and kind of goes back to your, your question is, if you have any personal experience that you can share with that person, that's the way to tie them in, right? That's that's when it's a rise for you to be vulnerable and say, I've been through my struggle and I hate and it hurts me to see you struggle. Let me help you struggling, Like let's struggle together, right? Let me connect you to the people that I trust and really kind of care, help carry that, that wound to someone who's, who's trust, trustworthy. Um, because it's so, it, you gotta do it. And my personal story in that is I became a counselor because I had to go through my own counseling. Shocker, right? <laughs> I had to do my own work. And my parents saw me through that struggle. They saw me out of that struggle. And then now to see that I've really started this career in helping other people, they're like, you taught us what that means. Because Mm -hmm. that's how much it's not being talked about in those communities. Mm -hmm. Or if it is, it's private conversations that you're never able to bring up again. And then that builds another wall of Mm -hmm. mistrust of how do I then help this person? Um, So it's it's really, it starts with you. It starts with you trying to make Mm -hmm. that change and say, hey, this is someone I know that um, is really um, you know, effective or, or competent in this field. I know this person or I've seen and met this person. Let me just give this to you because I think that this person could really help mm-hmm. you. And making those connections, I think, could be really helpful, yeah.
1: And, oh, go ahead. And then, and
4: like, I um, see you. Oh, okay. validating the mis-, the mistrust, too. Because mm-hmm. especially in the yes, black yes. community, like, there has been some unethical experiments mm-hmm. that have yes. gone on within the black community, like the Tuskegee mm-hmm. syphilis experiment that, I mean, I understand the mistrust with coming into this field, like knowing that this has happened before and knowing, like, how can I trust you to mm-hmm. hold something that, you know, in the past that psychology has really been based on just, I mean, older white men that only did studies within yeah. other white people and then mistreating marginalized groups too. And so mm-hmm. just like that community of lack of. I mean, Mm -hmm. mistrust, um, validating that. And then um, with with like the faith component, I can also see that too. It's like, you know, I'm not like only talk to pastors and stuff. But I mean, God, he's placed people in different positions. And Mm -hmm. so he's placed doctors to handle people in there, like nurses. And so it's like, you know, he's um, equipped us all with gifts. And so maybe that person's gift is to help you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And
0: so on that same note, I would, as you were talking, I was really thinking about, like, for the queer community, for a long time, you went to a psychologist to be pathologized. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, like, in yes. the DSM. In the like, DSM. this is a yes. disease. Yeah. Yes. And so I, I think exactly what yes. you were saying, validating that, like, hey, listen, I get it. I understand. I was scared, too. Mm-hmm. And I think also, oftentimes, um, you know, you, you see this diverse panelists a group of people we have here, a lot of times encouraging people to see a therapist that is that shares their culture or just that has experienced the things is that they culturally
1: don't, like, aware. Yeah.
0: Culturally aware there was culturally one educated. Time where like when I was looking like specifically to, to, to see a therapist to talk about like romantic and sexual issues. So I sought out a queer therapist because yeah. like A yeah. duh. but B like it really you don't have that same there's like there's a level of fear that you just don't have when you don't have to think about, like, oh, is this person going Judging to, like, you for yes, like or are they going to judge you? Are yeah. they going to understand yeah. it? Are they going to, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I really quick, because I want to get to Arlisha's question, but um, there uh, is a documentary that a friend of mine, um, Darnell Lamont Walker is his name, and we'll put that in the episode um, notes, but he did a, a documentary called Outside the House, um, and it's it's about what you were talking about. Mm. He's talking specifically about the black community, but how um, people the 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 phrase is no, you keep that. You don't take you don't take family business outside the house. Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. thought process? Yeah. Um, and so um, he did a documentary on that where he went around and talked to a lot of different people, where he was asking like, where does this come from, and and what can we do um, to kind of break that cycle. Um, So if you want to check that out, again, it's called Outside the House Doc, I think is what it is, um, uh, online.com. But again, we'll put it in the episode notes um, and on the website. Arlesha.
5: Um, So I just wanted to give some feedback on everything that you guys said because you did bring up something that I was going to mention. I did do my research paper in grad school on the stigmatization of mental health in the African-American community. And yes, in the African-American community, um, that thought of going to therapy, it is based off of stemming from the Tuskegee experiment. But also, um, as a social worker working in the community, I've learned that. Some black people are not provided with the information mm-hmm. that others are when it comes to mental health. So my um, my question to you guys, as therapists, are you know are you providing that information that you know society feels like only um, upper middle class white people are getting mm-hmm. versus you know the community the people in the community that cannot afford to come to you in therapy, are you giving them that same information in a manner that it is affordable? They can go and seek it. Because we that information is not being provided to everybody to actually sit and take those necessary steps to get over that trauma that they've experienced. So we do have to think about, you know, Where are you getting your information from? Is this the correct information? Is this the updated information? Mm -hmm. Do you know that there's a DSM-5 now instead of a DSM-4? Everybody's not receiving that. So we as mental health providers, we need to make sure that we're not just outcasting people in the community that don't have the insurance or the money to pay for you. They deserve that information just as much as those people that are coming in and paying $75 to $100 per session. Mm -hmm. That's a lot that is, that's a
1: lot to so I want to I wanna address that uh, address her question, and we're going to take a quick break, and I'll kind of give you a little heads up on what that break looks like. so before we do that, can you address her her uh, question about like how or, or perhaps um, also just saying like where can they find that information right so um, if they're not coming to you because they are mistrust mistrusting right. um, uh, the, the field itself, where, where can they get this information yeah. that she's talking about? Because you said letters and numbers that I don't know <laughs> what they mean. Yeah. Um, so what is it and where can you find that?
2: Well, I think it's, as a therapist, it's, I think it's our responsibility to have resources outside of just us and that we can pass those on. And I get calls every week um, about people that may want to come in and we may not be the best fit or too far away or for whatever reason, or they wanna use their insurance. And so I think it's my, my responsibility to have a referral list in my office that I can say, I can't help you, or I can't, this isn't gonna work here, but try these five people, or go. Th- these agencies will see you for sliding scale or for nothing, you know, for free if you need help. I don't, I think that it's, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of an injustice for mm-hmm. us to think that, you know, if they, if, if they're calling us, we can't help them, that we can just say, you
3: yeah. know, mm-hmm.
2: goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, go ahead.
3: I mean, I was really going to say the same thing, right, is, yeah. is it, it definitely is our responsibility. We're there, we're there to help. So when we get that call and if I'm not able to be the one to help you, I'm going to try my best to connect you with someone else. To, to really get that help that you need. But it's also the person's responsibility to, I think, interview your, mm-hmm. your counselor. Mm-hmm. It might not be a good fit. You might yeah. walk in and have one thought and then walk out with another too, mm-hmm. and that's okay. So really um, being mindful of who you're choosing to be this helper, but also influencer in your life mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. your struggle, I think is so important. Yeah. Um, and I know for me personally, that was absolutely the case, right? I was looking for an Asian American, and I wanted her to be a very specific kind of therapist because I was also learning how to become one too. And so those are just things that I looked for because okay. it's kind of like what you are saying, Chris, is if I find that person that looks like me, then maybe there isn't so much I need to explain. There's just kind of like that acceptance mm-hmm. that belongs there immediately and, mm-hmm. and a mutual understanding. Yeah. So I would say definitely interview the person you are receiving the help from. I think that's smart, especially when you're trying to deal with that mistrust that you already have mm-hmm. and experience, feel. I mean, interview and really scope out to see who is best for you. That's that responsibility for yourself. Yeah.
4: Um, I would say the first couple of sessions, I ask my clients, "So, what do you like know? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know like what have they gathered from the knowledge, like from their friends, mm-hmm. from the world about depression? Okay, so what is that? Like, tell me in your in your words what it is. Mm-hmm. And it, and if it's something that's like, mm, okay, that's a myth or that's not really accurate, then that's when I do the psycho education that's when I just um, tell them okay so this is what depression is it's it's just not you just moping around it's actually something that it's rather normal a lot of people experience it um it's just much more than just you being sad today it's you know and so I go through that and I do it slowly and i say it not in a like I'm this and you're small like it's just a conversation that I say and it starts to slowly unravel the myths that they've ingrained or that they've wired in their head Um, and then that's how it's normalized and then they're like oh okay well it's not that bad and then I think the stigma comes off of it too when I just start to just ask them what they already know and then just tell them little bits and pieces of this is what it actually is and this is why you know you may be experiencing that.
1: So when we come back, um, I want to take about a 15-minute break, give you guys a chance to go to the restroom and get some yummy snacks. Um, When we come back, I definitely want to talk about um, triggers. Um, I want to talk about um, PTSD. And I think I sent you guys some stuff on PTSS. Um, that was talked about um, or that was brought up there. Are, I'm trying to talk about a lot of things that people have been communicating with us um, through the website and on our social media page, so I want to make sure that we honor those questions that are coming in. Um, and I also want to talk about um, signs that we can look for. Um, are there things that maybe we don't we don't recognize because we just do this every day? Um, are there signs that that we can look for, that we can feel, or, or, or something like that. So um, while you are, uh, like I said, taking a break, first, before we take a break, I want to make sure that I give a shout out to our sponsors, because Ooh, our sponsors okay. are the best uh, the commish radio show uh ed gray the commish um which he may or may not be related right. to two of the people that are here um <laughs> don't know um but you can catch uh the commish radio show on fishbowl network uh also the potities network um as well as Ooh. ebony essentials by ebony oh. and v's Delicious! These cupcakes, you guys, if you haven't had a cupcake, you are losing at life, and yes. I want you to win. So <laughs> I want you to go get a cupcake right now. These are so good. Um, so take a minute, take 15 minutes, and we'll come back. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm... So I'm, I'm hopeful that you guys got your life with the cupcakes. Like I said, I saw a lot of cupcakes are gone. So I'm happy that you are sustained. Um, we've got a lot of actual questions that I feel like we could probably go on forever. But we, we're going to try and get to some of the questions that we've, like I said, seen on uh, Facebook. I'm going to try and talk about some of these statistics uh, from the survey um, as well. Um, but before we get back into it because I know all of you guys are fancy people with fancy social media accounts.
0: Yes okay so 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 everybody everybody you got a smartphone pull out your phone okay pull out your phone. Step one <laughs> if you have the Facebook app, we would love to have you check in. Let everybody know that you came. I'll see you did you want to do it see? Listen, that, listen. Y'all are real ones. Y'all are we appreciate right. you. MVP's,
1: man.
0: No, but uh, if, you, if you go, really, like, uh, if you go, like, at the top of the thing, it'll say check-in right there. I'm doing it literally right now. Uh, <laughs> if you type in Addison uh, Theater, it'll come up Addison Conference and Theater Center. And then it'll say attending. It'll ask you what you're attending. Just if you'll click social justice burnout for us. Uh, oh, and you can do a caption. Uh, I'm going to do just, it's lit in all caps. (laughs) Uh, with several exclamation points.
1: But you don't have to tell your people that it's lit if that if it's if it's not your no, own like, thing. No, it's to say
0: something about how like, we're <laughs> having a really deep conversation. We're unpacking trauma, We're opening. We're we're going through the rooms of our of our heart.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're we're opening
0: yes. some yes. doors. We're leaving some more closed.
1: Right. Right. Um, we're, we've figured out our lantern and our. our la- yeah. We've got a whole bunch of. Right. We
0: up got here. lanterns. We got. Yes. Um, <laughs> I would also say if you are on Twitter. Please follow us, especially, yeah, especially Twitter, because like Twitter's low-key, like, my responsibility. So follow <laughs> us on Twitter.
1: Follow He's us. He's trying to make sure he has a job. Listen, <laughs> well.
0: um, Follow us on Twitter at Echoes Media one uh, and that way, you know, you'll get updates, you'll get more reminders when you know when the show's coming out, and we're working on a project. This is also my responsibility. We're working on a project where we can, you know we're going to tweet out some of the really great quotes so you can, like, you know, get your your, your daily quotient of Echoes ideas, um, and then do. Are we are we on
1: Instagram? I, I we are, are on Instagram. Instagram.
0: Yeah. What's the? Uh, did I? Will you give them the Instagram handle? Uh, I'm, I don't do Instagram, y'all.
1: Uh, it's also oh. Echoes. Yes, media.
0: Yes, on Instagram we are uh, <laughs> at Echoes yeah. Media One. Forgive me. I never do Instagram because I don't like to take pictures. Mm. Like if okay. they would just let me just post, like I just want to do words, but you got to go through a That's whole separate also app. Twitter Too when you much do work. work. Yes. That's why I'm on Twitter, because it's just words.
1: (laughs) All right. Cool. Um, So if you're all checked in, great. If not, ask a buddy. They can help you. (laughs) Um, And let's go. So I know that there are a couple of questions that I think we still have. And Nicole's going to let me know. Cool, I'll call for it in a second. Um, Actually, I'm just kidding. I'm calling for it now. Um, And we've got a couple of questions up here that we kind of wanted to get to. But I know um, for a fact, thank you, baby. Uh, that uh, you had a, it's okay, it's okay, you all right. You said something about the word woke that you have problems with. So let's go ahead and get to that.
4: The word woke, I just do not (laughs) like it because think about it, like literally, if you um, navigated through life being woke, being like, awake the entire time you would mm-hmm. be exhausted you would be drained you would be physically mentally not able to sustain yourself so why do we have to be woke to triggers to trauma that's what narrative are we sending people to be woke to trauma all right the time. right right and so at first I was like yeah woke I'm just like mentally and like aware of everything but then I'm like wait no that's not sustainable mm-hmm. over time so that's all I wanted to say. I well, just
0: don't like it. <laughs> on the on the subject of woke, right, there's the there's a great James Baldwin quote that is like to be a negro and to be relatively conscious in America is to be in a rage almost all the time. Yeah. So imagine <laughs> to be a negro in America and constantly conscious <laughs> and non-stop conscious, you probably just burn up. Like, just
1: we need to go to sleep. We need to go right. to sleep. Let's Sometimes you can take a nap. Yeah, rest is real. That that don't that uh, that don't vacation that you were talking about—that's where that comes in go handy. To sleep. That outrage <laughs> in in vacation. So I want to talk about. Actually, I want to talk about signs first, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Um, what are some signs that we are either? burned out, or in the process of burning out? Mm-hmm. What are some signs? Mm-hmm. Might... Think... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> you you go. It's like, it's like vocal <laughs> double-dutch <laughs> <laughs> right now. Um, I was going to say,
3: maybe even just I'm thinking about like basic needs, right? Basic needs that we have, which is we need to stay hydrated, we need food, we need That's sleep. Nice when any of those basic functions are hard to do, your body and your brain is all out of whack, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we know the concept of hangry, right? We're, we're <laughs> angry, we're mean when we're not getting the things that we need. And so when those things are a struggle, I would say those are one of the first signs that to be, to be aware of is my daily sleep is getting interrupted, maybe I'm having nightmares, maybe I'm getting triggers, um, maybe the dark isn't safe for me anymore to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so any of those things really, just the basic functions is a good place is to start mm-hmm. yeah
2: and I would add also if your um, ability to be compassionate and have empathy is going out the window it's time to take a break Yeah, um, because if you can't hold space for these people that you're working with or people that are different than you that are that you're uh, maybe have different idea ideologically uh, you know that you're, if you're not, taking that, as I was talking earlier, taking that breath in, you can't do that. You're only blowing it out. You need to be able to take a break. And you know, I was thinking about, uh, a friend of mine was telling me a story about in band, when they have a long, uh, like in, if they have a long note that they have to play for you know, a super long time, they may not be able to hold that note for the whole time. So they have to talk to their team or their other trumpet mm-hmm. players and say, you know, I'm going to do it this long, you're going to do it this long, then I'll come back. So in, in some ways, self-care is kind of that same way. You've got to be able to have people that you can connect with where you, that support you in taking breaks mm-hmm. in, in yeah. your self-care. Yeah.
1: Leaning on other people yeah, is what it sounds like. You yeah. understand yeah. that mm-hmm. if you stop fighting today, somebody Mm -hmm. is still fighting (laughs) you're not gonna it's not the mantle won't fall you know like the hero right right
3: and to feel i think also when you don't like there's clients that come in who either one don't feel connected to their themselves right really missing that inner inner world relationship with themselves or when they're not feeling connected to other people and we know that those are absolutely basic needs for us as well right we need community we also need to feel connected to our authentic self and so really helping people get to that place where they can and willing to talk about some of those things that maybe gotten so in a way it got it it got in the way for them to really feel connected to others and themselves yeah
4: yeah going I'm still talking about triggers Um. so emotionally you could be irritable you could be have like a short fuse you could um, be more sad just lethargic or behaviorally you could um, isolate your yourself and then thoughts could just be like I'm just exhausted or I'm tired or um, I'm of no help Mm -hmm. and so I think of if you think of triggers in that those three categories um, Mm -hmm. that's what I look for too and then also just um if those triggers become so overwhelmed then that's how you can be numb to it and then that's completely burnt out is when you're just completely numb to it um because that's when you've detached yourself Mm -hmm. from feeling from i from people and then your thoughts Mm -hmm. have just gone Mm -hmm. almost like dissociating yes dissociate and and in some ways um I, th- I think we've all gotten numb to a lot of things that go on mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because it happens so often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, another yeah. shooting? Okay, that's horrible to say, oh, another shooting? Mm-hmm. That's just, that's not, yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it's not, it's not a normal response too, because normally we, we are built to feel, because mm-hmm. if we didn't feel we would be in danger all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you put your hand over a fire and, and if you say, oh, this doesn't feel, like, I don't feel it, that's a warning sign. Like, something's going on where you right. can't feel that. And mm-hmm. so the moment that we start to not feel, I think that's when, like, oh, okay, back yeah. up. Right. Let right. me think of my thoughts. Let mm-hmm. me think of my emotions. Let me think of my behavior. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, can I, and on that subject, um, I have often found myself, you know, scrolling, whatever, and, and, you, and you can see, oh, there's something that we all need to be upset about. And how, how do we find that balance? Is there a healthy way for us to say, I know the response that I it's almost like can you have the response in a truthful way without immediately engaging and like where's that balance of right. this is something that I I want to have the capacity to really I feel I don't it.
4: have it right now
0: right mm-hmm.
4: that's okay to say mm-hmm. that I don't mm-hmm. have to, like I don't have it in me right now to feel it, that and maybe later when I'm in a better space I could, okay, process that. Like, man, like when you recently texted me about Mm -hmm. the um, New Zealand Mm -hmm. um, shooting, I was like, I was at work and I was like, I I can't look at that yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I'm in a space where I can, that's when, so that's going back to boundaries. That's just my boundary. Like I have Mm -hmm. to protect my emotional health,
1: my intellectual boundary, and I just have to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm learning. Yeah, I'm it, cause she is the one who told me the boundaries thing, and I'm learning. I always say I'm a psychologist or like I'm am I'm a therapist because my sister is one, so what? I have all the answers. I don't really think that's how it works, but we're gonna call it that. Just like I have my MD because so, uh, I watch so. Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's how that's how it works. How um, many clinical
0: hours does that count as having a sister?
7: hours. We
1: can
0: make it hours, <laughs> yes.
1: Um, but yeah, those boundaries are super, super mm-hmm. important. And, and it, it's so... I think it's so helpful to... I guess... I think you just don't realize that you need them. You don't realize when you actually take them. You don't know... I think what helped me is when I knew that I was calling them boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what it is. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of calling a thing a thing. Whatever yeah. that thing mm-hmm. is, yeah. call that thing Name what it. It, whatever it is. Yeah. And so I think once I mm-hmm. learned to call this, like, I am setting a boundary, it also helped me to... Adhere to that boundary Mm -hmm. a lot more because I know that that's what it is. I Mm -hmm. know it's in place for a reason, and I know that this is meant to protect me. Mm -hmm. Yes.
2: And I think also with boundaries, uh, many times we think about that as what's okay and what's not okay with another person, but we also have to practice boundaries. What's okay and what's not okay for me. Mm -hmm. And if I start getting too overwhelmed looking at this, you know, hours and hours of Facebook or Twitter or whatever. I, I need to be mindful enough to go, "Ooh, I'm not practicing self-care for myself, mm-hmm. and this is not okay. I need to take a break.
1: Which I also want to bring up. so one of the questions on our survey, um, it said um, let me go back, just kidding. see, I said I said I was prepared, I wasn't prepared. I was just kidding. No okay, I'm no, um, just briefly there yeah, on that subject.
0: Uh, that that well, that was like kind of just a revelation to me right there. Come like, on. you need to set boundaries. you need to set boundaries for yourself for like how you interact with
2: yourself yeah and i had never i literally have never thought about that it's it's it's, it's internal as much as Absolutely. it is external yeah. yeah
1: so the question that i was saying was what is your reaction when you hear about the a new incident of social justice that's racism police brutality hate crimes mm. um and it looks like 58% of the people who took the survey said they go down the rabbit hole they just Click and click and click and click and click yeah. and click and click. Um, some people catch the headlines, um, and some people ignore it. I think 39% said that they catch the headlines, and only about 3% said they ignore it. So here's my here is my question um, to you guys about that in particular. Um, it's kind of twofold, right? So. I am not a go down the rabbit hole kind of person because okay. I just don't have that kind of time sometimes. That's I just awesome. don't have that kind of time. Um, but at the same time, the reason I do not like catching the headlines is because clickbait, clickbait is real. Oh, no. and um, people publish things incorrectly all the time. Um, people, you know um, just give misinformation. like the whole story is not even about that, but mm-hmm. you just look at you get caught on those headlines. so, how do I navigate that, right? Because I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, although most of us do. Yeah. Because my thought is, is let me read what it says before I just repost this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the person who's going to repost it, and this be something that happened in 2006, and now I've inflamed a whole bunch of people on a Tuesday that didn't need to be inflamed right. <laughs> about nothing that happened. You right. know what I mean? So I don't want to do that, but I also don't want to just catch the headlines and not really know what's happening. So how do we, how do we navigate that? Mm. Sorry, I threw that at y'all. Mm.
4: No, it's like you want to be aware, because mm-hmm. it's kind of like your responsibility to know what's going on. And so you may feel like, if I don't know all what's going on, I, like that's it just make, make,
1: make you feel like you should know a lot. Right. And so. And you can't do anything if you don't know what's going right.
2: on. Right. Mm. And is it based on data, or is right. it based on a highly emotional reaction yeah. you know so if it's not based on data then it's well Brene Brown calls it bullshit mm-hmm. so um,
1: we can say that on here yeah, <laughs> okay. so if, if,
2: if someone is or if you're reading something and it's just emotional based and it's not fact based that's not data mm-hmm. that's not real it's just someone's it's a story that someone has made up for themselves mm-hmm. um, and so you if it's when you're looking at that stuff, if it's not data-based, then you really need to be careful about reposting. Or, you know, you see that it's it it doesn't have sources, and you know, let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not where you need
6: to spend your time.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a question in the back.
6: So sometimes uh, the pain, and I think the pain and the uh, trauma that we experience um, can sometimes be self-induced. Um, a lot of times by taking on too much of a workload or uh, not engaging in activities that are areas of our strengths. Um, if, we approach the issue as a, as, if we approach the issue of social justice as a project, and we understand that there are certain requirements that need to be considered in terms of conditions established before embarking on that journey. To anyone on the panel, can you speak to how managing expectations and understanding who you are? And you spoke a little bit, you spoke a little bit about that. Um, understanding who you are in terms of your core values, recognizing your strengths and your weaknesses, and how they can be used not only to decrease your probability of experiencing a burnout or a breakdown. But also to assist you in determining your role in the fight for social justice and how you might be most effective in that endeavor as well. Mm.
3: That's good. Yeah.
6: Mm. That
1: was quite right. That was hey. quite yes. I like okay. Well, panelists.
4: I think the keyword. The keywords that stuck out to me was role and expectations. And so, once you identify what your role is on this ongoing fight that didn't start with you, and that's not going to end with with you, I think that's when you can put some realistic expectations on yourself. Because maybe since the social justice fight is so big, and there's so many things that need to be addressed, I think just knowing what your role is and then putting realistic expectations on yourself, so that way you, you. you don't feel guilt or burnt out when you don't meet them. Um, you don't feel like you, you have to do everything because, you know, I'm going to stay in my lane. Like, I know that this is what I'm passionate about and this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to fight everything because I can't do it. Mm-hmm. You're going to be tired. Like, there's so many things. I get upset about so many things, but I'm like, wait, Brittany, like, what? Like, mm-hmm. find one thing that you're passionate about and just run with that because within that's when you're going to be. Authentic. That's when you're going to be most efficient. When you just find that struggle that is going on that you just really identify with. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah. Recognizing our our limitations yeah. um, that we can't fix everything, and many times the person that we are with um, doesn't need to be fixed. They just need to have someone hold space for them, and for you to be. At, I guess as a clinician, for me to recognize that i can't its just i just thought of a story back when I was in grad school um in the the olden days um and uh i was working it was back in the the late eighties and I was doing h i v aids counseling kind of and my supervisor told um was is back then we had to um use cassette tapes to um for our sessions to <laughs> give you know to to get a Graded, And at, she gave me a piece of paper that said, um, I think you're getting too, you're, you're trying too hard. And if she said, if you want to be Jesus, you're going to have to wear a crown of thorns. Mm-hmm. And I still have that piece of paper today. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me X. that my job is not to fix. Mm-hmm. It's to be there and to hold space for mm-hmm. these people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, there's a
6: question,
7: Jack. <clears throat> Thank you. It's not a question, but a response uh, on how do you, it can be overwhelming, all these mm-hmm. things that are going on. And what I've done for myself mm-hmm. is contribute to those organizations where their structures in place, mm-hmm. So that way, I can take a break mm-hmm. <laughs> and know that things are still going on, mm-hmm. and I'm doing something to support those efforts mm-hmm. you know without stressing mm-hmm. as yeah. much yeah, yeah. so that's, that's
1: that's actually really good i didn't even I didn't even think about that, but when that kind of goes in line with what you were saying with checking in, I don't remember who was saying mm-hmm. it, but checking in with your friends like yeah. or knowing that like you Oh, it was you you were saying something about the holding notes. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is one of those, that is a perfect way to be able to say, okay, I'm gonna take this breather, you hold that note for me, and keep going. Um, that is, that's a perfect, I, I never even considered that, but that's a perfect way to do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I was listening
3: to something recently, I can't pick where it came from, but it was super insightful, it was whenever he, his, it was something like his mom was passing him down some advice, and he said, whenever there's a problem, or there's something wrong going on, look to the helpers, who are helping, and I really, that really stuck with me because I was like, yeah, you're right. Like there's so many different helpers around making some small difference, right? Like I think the overwhelming feeling is, oh my gosh, this is such a big crisis. Oh my gosh, this needs so much. and needs a lot of attention, a lot of time. Yes, it's a call to action, mm-hmm. but it's also going back to that trust thing is, and Brene Brown explains this really well with like the trust jar, right, Mm -hmm. is it's not a big, huge like performance that that gains and earns the trust, right? It's actually really small, little things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even if it's you being in a position of helper, it's how can I help my person next to me, right, which is a lot more attainable, reachable Mm -hmm. than maybe it is how do I like reach this whole mass of people. And so it really starts in your own community, right, and using Mm -hmm. yourself as a tool of I I have a voice and I'm going to use it and I'm going to use it to help other people too.
1: So I'm going to give uh, the panelists uh, some homework. I'm going to actually give you, and by homework, I mean like right here in this minute. Oh, OK. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to have like one of you take just a brief break. I want you to find a, a question that you think um, that we have, because we had a long list of questions that I know we're not going to get a chance to get to. Um, but uh, we had a long list of questions, and I know that they each had some things that they would like to To answer. So um, Anna, if you can find a question, I'm, and then while you're looking for that question, I'm going to ask this question to the other two of you. This was a, a question that was given to us uh, in the question jar. What advice would you give to someone who keeps experiencing trauma, um, failed relationships, loss of loved ones, and feelings of helplessness in times like this? So to me, it feels like it's an over, for when I read that, I'm thinking, this person feels overwhelmed. Right. Um, this person, I, to me, that that sounds like burnout. Based mm-hmm. on some of the mm-hmm. things that you guys have already talked about, so what advice would you give this this person who wrote this question? Um, let's see.
5: hmm
4: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: I think the most obvious one would be to find find a clinician that you can work with to help understand if if these things are happening, you know, back to back. That that could be trauma. But if you're repeating the same thing over and over you need to look at what you're doing what what your part may be you may have some blind spots you know and, mm-hmm. and you also need to have someone that can hold that space for you and, and and be with you and say gosh that's really hard what you're you're experiencing and um, and maybe they can give you some um, skills or things for you to think about um, that might help you change um, the future and not let your Your past be what defines you?
4: And um, I would definitely say just for them to step back. It seems like there's like a pattern. Um, There's a lot that they're experiencing. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm all about being gentle. And so this seems like it's a lot going on. And it's like if if they were in a pool, they're drowning right now. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if I cannot come out because Phil relationships, loss of a loved one, it's just I keep sinking, Mm -hmm. Um, offer your hand up and um, hopefully there's someone that can help them Mm -hmm. take the load off of it. Um, it, I would say step away and then just like figure out what room Mm -hmm. should I tackle first. Don't Mm -hmm. tackle it all. What room can I handle?
2: Those are all different traumas that are happening stacking on top of each other that
4: definitely require its own time to deal with but don't do it all at once that's mm-hmm. not healthy
5: mm-hmm. yeah. what would
1: the question that you what was the yeah. question that you wanted to talk about
4: my question was how much should we tell
1: children Yay. okay how much should we tell ta- children to you yes
3: <laughs> am I answering the question yes go ahead how much should we
1: tell? the question is how much should we tell children
3: yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see. Okay, so so last night I was doing some homework and my group practice Lifeology OC, let me plug them in. Um, O'Cliff. Uh, they were uh, we've been talking about this documentary that came out, and it's called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And it was about Mr. Rogers, it's on HBO. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, I really encourage it. And man, this was back in like the 50s, 60s, right? When he was just so radical and revolution in the way that he spoke to children and teaching them and then not have not that. The set happened in a bubble, right? There was so much going on. I mean, civil rights, everything was happening during those times. And he really made it a focus of, let's not forget about the children. Let's Mm -hmm. not forget about the kids and all this. Because just because they're little, they experience those big emotions, those big losses, just the same as adults and parents do. Um, So having those trusting people who are aware, who know what's going on, but then there's that thing about boundaries too because there are, they are kids and there is a level of protection that we need to provide them too and ultimately letting them know that I'm a caretaker, I'm a caretaker in your life, I'm a trustworthy person and I'm going to protect you as best as I can in this and you're safe in this. But there's also also telling them, like filtering out almost, how much of this am I going to decide to tell my child? What's the real message I guess? in mm-hmm. all this that I'm trying to pass and teach on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like we've gotten so far away from teaching our kids. Mm-hmm. When you talk about discipline, I tell my parents this all the time, when you talk about discipline, the root word of that is to teach. <laughs> but we've gotten totally on the opposite of that, of when you make mistakes, you're gonna get in trouble. It's turned into punishment mm-hmm. and just the shame that breeds from, from raising our ch- children like that. So So raising them in the light Right, to let them be aware of what's going on, but mm-hmm. also maybe there's another call of action there too. Like there is something that we can do in our communities, right? Like whether that's gathering with your church, whether that's you know, meeting people outside of your group, your bubble. I mean, I think that's that's what we have to do. We gotta educate them. Mm-hmm. And if we want this diverse, if we want this peaceful world, right, we gotta teach them what that even looks like. Mm-hmm. And that starts with just relationship, being kind man, we've got to teach our kids how mm-hmm. to be kind, yeah. how to deal with the unkindness too, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so how much should we tell our children? I mean, it's, it's gonna differ on everyone, but something that I'm, I, I just have such a heart for is when children experience loss, it is just as big, if not maybe sometimes bigger, than the adult who is coming in in his 60s, 50s of holding and carrying that pain with him for a long time right? So addressing that, calling it, give it a name. Mm-hmm. These are the feelings. Yes, you should be feeling this. Yes, mm-hmm. of course, that's normal. Normal. that's normal. And we can't numb it because numbing doesn't, it's not selective, right? We can't just numb all the painful parts. We also numb the joy mm-hmm. and the goodness mm-hmm. of that feelings give us too. So giving them that space, give, calling it, right? Saying it's okay that you're angry and it's okay that if, if you feel this hate because that could be a very righteous hate, right? Because... We're, we're not okay. It's not okay with some of the things that, ha- that are happening. So, um, yeah, just a sort of responsibility to be raising our kids and really knowing mm-hmm. and not be afraid to. Yeah.
1: So uh, another question that I have is just about PTSD. Um, would you say that what we're suffering is PTSD in terms of a community, in terms of seeing um, um, slights against, uh, not even slights, just uh, like hate crimes against LGBTQ, against um, Muslim Americans and the religion, and especially with immigration that's happening right now, I think, unfortunately, um, that look, like the the look of immigrant um, or or what have you is different. And so would you say that people who constantly walk around um, in that fear are suffering post-traumatic stress syndrome or? yeah sorry right. uh, did Definitely. I say yes this disorder, disorder. Yeah. that's <laughs> what it was um, so I was like that is not a d um, but yeah would would you say that like as a community and as the people who are in these these marginalized communities
2: mm-hmm. well, one of the diagnostic criteria for PTSD is hypervigilance. And so Mm -hmm. if you're walking around Mm -hmm. in a state of hypervigilance all the time, that's one of the diagnostic criteria. It's not the only one, but, um, you know, having flashbacks or Mm -hmm. having nightmares or having um, inability to, you can probably name them better than I can, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh, uh, having invasive thoughts, uh, mm-hmm. having startle responses, mm-hmm. all of those kind of things are di- um, symptoms mm-hmm. of PTSD. You know, If you want to get an official uh, diagnosis, um, you have to have so many on the list, okay. um, but I think as a community, we experience these, we do experience these things. Mm-hmm. You know? um, walking outside, if you, you know you walk outside your door and you're afraid somebody may shoot you or you're afraid mm-hmm. it's not going to be safe. You know, that is a state of hypervigilance that is, is so unfortunate that we have to experience, but um, it's, it's, it's something that, that's very real,
0: you know. Well, and on that subject, would it be fair to say that even if we are not necessarily, not all of us, I think, have PTSD, mm-hmm. but would it be fair to say that some of the tools, that you all have learned to treat things like PTSD, right. or some of the concepts that have been developed to understand what that is might be useful for those of us that are just experiencing maybe less uh, acute traumas, but, yeah, but that traumas. sort yeah. of like, we've been talking about that more
2: spread yeah. out trauma. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And I don't think that the world is PTSD. Right. I think that we all have, but we all do carry these symptoms and yeah. this, this baggage, this stuff that, that um, unless we are able to, you know, constantly unpack it and, mm-hmm. and uh, process it, that we're going to be walking around with some of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I want to be mindful of our time because uh, I want to give you guys, I want to give you guys prizes. Um, <clears throat> so I want to be mindful uh, of that time, but I also want to make sure that we address some of the things. So your homework, oh, grab okay. your question. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to point to you as well mm-hmm. because um, you, you brought up two things um, on the break. Uh, you mentioned um, the question, why now? Like, why are we talking about it now? Can you talk a little bit about... Uh,
2: yes, yes. Um, so, of course, I've been preaching Brene Brown all day, so I'm going to talk about it a little <laughs> bit more. But in her book, uh, Braving the Wilderness, this is um, about... Um, she's using a lot of her concepts of vulnerability, authenticity, and, and courage. And um, and she uses it, uses it in a context of dealing with people who are different than us, especially we've got this fractured ideology and the you know, the, all of the, you're either with us or against us. There's no middle ground. Mm-hmm. And so she has a quote in here, um, in her book by Bill Bishop and he he wrote a book called the big sort. And I'm just gonna, gonna, well, before I read that, I'm going to tell you a, a st- statistic in 70, um, in the seventies, less than 25% of Americans lived in places where the presidential election was a landslide. Um, In other words, we lived next door and attended schools and worshiped with people who held different beliefs than us. Mm -hmm. We were ideologically diverse. So in 1980, or in uh, in the last election, 80% of communities it was a landslide for one candidate or the other. So what we've learned to do is, we've tribal, we've turned our, we, we just stay inside our bubble, our tribe, okay. and um, as a and as a result of that, I think that it's it's made it more difficult for us to have these conversations okay. and, and reach across the table to people who believe things and think things differently than we are, and and it's anyway I want to read this quote really quickly. Um, As people seek out the social settings they prefer, as they choose the groups that make them feel most comfortable, the nation grows more politically segregated. and The benefit that ought to come with having a variety of opinions is lost to the righteousness. That is the special entitlement of homogeneous groups. We all live with the results, balkanized communities whose inhabitants find other Americans to be culturally incomprehensible, mm-hmm. a growing intolerance for political differences that has made national consensus impossible in politics so polarized that Congress is stymied and elections are no longer just contests contests over policies, but bitter choices between ways of life. Mm-hmm. So, and that was written in 16 wow. right so right. he can have a newer book called the bigger sort I <laughs> right. Think, <you> know. <laughs> right and
1: just as a quick plug um if you are looking for places to have those conversations, you can go to Changing the Percept, Right, because see, this is what we do here. Changing <laughs> the Perceptions, Community Conversations. We'll make sure that we link that in our, uh, in our our on our page and in our episode notes as well. Um, and that is uh, by Change the Perception or and or Denise Lee, AKA, she also might be related to me, but that's not the point either. <laughs> but um, so if you are looking for a place to have those conversations, you can do that as well there. Um, you, little sister? Do you have? By your the way, that's, Ms. Gray? That, that's
0: Janelle's mama for, for for the podcast listeners that don't know. <laughs> just so y'all are aware,
1: Ms. Gray.
4: We've talked about a lot, and I don't want to
1: just keep rehashing. So, okay, I'm sorry, sorry if I didn't. No, no, the no, no. That's was... o- that's okay. You don't get a zero today. See, that's okay. see, that's that's, okay. that's that's
0: that's family. She gave an assignment, and she was like, "No, I don't." <laughs>
1: She's not,
0: wait, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to return that assignment, uh, and you can have it back. <laughs>
1: um, you know, there's also one other thing that you talked about, um, uh, the Taraji P. Henson uh, yes. clip, which I do want to put on uh, the website as well, but I had sent that to you, and tell, mm-hmm. me, tell me why that stuck with you or why that was important for you to talk about.
2: Well, when we were talking earlier about um, safety, going to uh, the biases or the fears about going to therapy. Um, she speaks to this, and she's created a foundation to try and educate um, the African American community um, about about therapy and about what it is and, and resources that are available. And so, but so when y'all were talking about that, I thought that, that was would
1: a be good. What was the what was the phrase that she used? It was something. Com- what was the phrase?
2: Culturally that, culturally competent, competent. Mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. is about mm-hmm. fi-
1: and finding those people, yes. like you said, finding those therapists who are culturally competent with Mm -hmm. uh with what right with what you are are wanting to talk Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. um i like i like i feel like there's so much if you don't mind uh if you don't mind picking a question or something that you think we haven't answered and maybe just send that answer to me in an email i'll be Mm -hmm. happy to share that Mm -hmm. on the website um Uh, because I think that, like you said, some of those questions that that we we didn't get to um, would be very helpful. If anyone does have any questions as well that they would like to send, you can always, uh, I always say that Echoes Media is about the conversation. It's about um, making sure that we talk to each other. This is not about... Um, Chris and I sitting up here on a podcast talking about our opinion. We very much welcome everybody. So um, if you have anything that you would like to share with us or a question that you would like to ask, you can always email us at echoes at echoesofthestruggle.com. That's echoes, E-S. At echoes of the You can also find our website ww.echozofthestruggle.com as well. Um, and I would also
0: throw out that you can tweet us a question.
1: You can listen at listen. Echoes Media One. Yes, you can also For real, tweet, tweet us, us a question. Que- yes. We'd love to. We yeah. actually are quite interactive on, yeah. on the Facebooks and the Twitters. So <laughs> um, feel free to do that. Um, I let's go ahead and do Look, I'm like you. I am not gonna be able to to give a leave or a takeaway. I'm right, just taking so I feel like I just have a big backpack of takeaways. Right. Um, so I am actually perhaps gonna leave it to our panelists, unless Chris, I'm gonna graciously bow out of this. Leave and uh, no. I have because there, there's too much. I've got lanterns. I've got houses. I've got I've got too much. I I've got too many things to take away. So, um, I I want. I'm sorry, building. I, might,
0: I, I actually do think I have. Okay, go uh, for I'm it. So okay, so my takeaway is going to be. Setting boundaries with yourself. Yeah. I have to have boundaries about yeah. how, I, how me treats me, how like, yeah, what I is. do to, to and for myself. And then I did want to um, leave something that we talked about earlier. We talked about the going down the rabbit hole, right? And on that subject, I would just say, and I'm thinking again about that, the light and the lantern. Mm. When you're going down that rabbit hole, please remember what, why you are doing this. What is your purpose? Mm. And I, I want to give a quick example, which is, uh, so I, I started reading about um, what happened in Christchurch and you know because I, I thought it was important to know and I think that is that is following mm-hmm. one of my guiding lights, right? But then it kind of got into okay there was a politician that said something unpopular about it and I was like, okay, this is on the border I guess I should know that but like am I voting in New Zealand elections? No, I am not. So how relevant <laughs> is this to me? And then it got to, a teenager who slammed an egg on top of the head oh, no. of the politician, <laughs> and they're called <laughs> an egg boy on Twitter, blah, 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 blah. But my point is, when you are, I think, again, a good boundary that I'm going to start setting with myself is, when you're going down that rabbit hole, make sure you are sticking to your guiding lights. I don't I don't want to just like know this random trivia just to know it. It has to be about, like, how am I engaging with compassion? And how am mm-hmm. I engaging with with care for myself and for others? Right. Because if you want to get trapped in, you know, and then this person said this about it, and that person said that about it, and the third person, and and, and Australian politicians, and then then Chelsea Clinton, and like, okay, too much, too much, too much. Right. We can we can keep it. You can keep the main thing, the main thing. You can keep mm-hmm. focused on right. if you as you go
2: down that rabbit hole, bring your lantern with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll do you a lot of good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great example of what you just talked about of the difference between data and right. people creating stories yeah, about, right. or, or, you know, stuff that we can get sidetracked with yeah. that's not about what happened.
1: Mm-hmm. What would your leave and takeaway be?
2: Uh, you know, I just am, I'm just really grateful that I get to be a, that I get to be a part of this, you know, um, And Uh, we are very
0: grateful to have you here.
2: It's it's been it's been uh, enlightening, and I just you know I I just hope that we can continue to shine light on this kind of stuff and and talk about it and um, I guess that's my takeaway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I am super grateful for this opportunity. I thought it was such a good job on, on your end, Janelle, for picking us out and finding us mm-hmm. to, to kind of be here, but also represent, right? Mm-hmm. And opening it up so that we're not like, colonized, like we're not <laughs> right. just in these little sections, mm-hmm. but that we can actually have bigger conversations like this. I mean, going back to taking action—all that. Like, this is a. This was an act, right? Mm-hmm. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of getting together and talking about how we can prevent some of that burnout, doing things that fill our soul. Mm-hmm. This today filled my soul. Aww. You know what I mean? I get to walk away feeling um, empowered. Um, I learned a lot. I I learned from, just from hearing different stories. I love the interaction. I mean. You guys, even showing up on a Saturday to be a part of this, too. I mean, all of this is, there's so much goodness in this mm-hmm. that I hope we um, would just keep it going, right? Just you. have more of these experiences. Yeah, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah,
4: um, I would say just my takeaway would just be how um, powerful this space is and how mm-hmm. powerful this work is mm-hmm. that, we, that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and how being gentle is so important. Um, I will, it's like, the. it's just a continuum, a um, continue being gentle with yourself as you're mm-hmm. hearing about these things, as you're mm-hmm. dealing with your own trauma, mm-hmm. as you're also in the sessions with other people, because yeah. we're human too. And so mm-hmm. I think sometimes our clients mm-hmm. are like, oh, no, like I'm human. I feel <laughs> too. So mm-hmm. having to also just um, compartmentalize when, they, when it needs to be done, mm-hmm. and then being gentle with, and just gentle with yourself, mm-hmm. and gentle with the um, stuff that you go through mm-hmm. and what you take in. Mm-hmm. I'm big on boundaries, so I'm always with boundaries. Like I have to limit what mm-hmm. I feed my soul mm-hmm. because I don't want to grieve my heart. I don't mm-hmm. want yeah. to just be heavy. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have to carry everyone's burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't built for that, mm-hmm. and I don't think we were all built mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. for that. Um, the savior the savior complex is what I think some counselors have. I mean, and I'm guilty of that too. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to save everyone. I can't save everyone, mm-hmm. but I could help and I can be an ally. Um, I could um, support other people mm-hmm. while also supporting my own mm-hmm. needs. too. So.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: I would love to see um, us to be able to continue talking about maybe some more practical um, on the, you know, on the ground uh, ways to Practice being civil when in the face of uh, when we're dealing with social justice issues and we're dealing with people that are different, and um, being able to you know speak truth to bullshit or but be civil to um, learn how to you know to to you know to to be to reach across the aisles and to be able to learn how to have those civil conversations and when we don't agree, I think that that would be. Uh, I would love to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah.
1: We will, listen, we will always try and make something happen. I am going to um, call for my lovely assistant, Vanna, a.k.a. Nicole. Um, and we're going to start giving away uh, prizes. Before I do, uh, we'll go ahead and close out uh, this episode. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. This has been just... So many things all of the wonderful ones um, and so i'm really appreciative that you came out like she said on a saturday um, so we'll go ahead and close this out create hope forge a path change the world
0: thank you to the commission radio show for their sponsorship of echoes on air live For all your DFW entertainment and politics, check in with the commish, Ed Gray, on the Fishbowl Network, in the Gray Bowl, and be inspired.
5: Echoes
1: Media wants to give a special shout out to V's Bake Shop for their sponsorship of Echoes On Air Live. If you want something sweet, talk to V.
0: Echoes Media thanks Essentials by Ebony for its sponsorship of Echoes On Air Live. For personalized tumblers and artisan soaps, go to Essentials by Ebony.
7: Echoes
1: Media thanks our home, the Potteries Network, for their sponsorship of Echoes On Air Live. For a fun and diverse group of podcasts, check out the rest of our pod family.